From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains Live. So we've been going live on YouTube and Facebook in the TV studio lately to rapidly respond to issues as they arise. Now, we we love doing the Heritage Explains podcast, and we will continue to release them once a week. But in order to be a little more responsive to the news as it develops, we figured going live was a good fit. Now, these interviews are responsive to viewers' questions. We try to make it lighthearted, as lighthearted as we can with the serious issues these days, and also give the audience an opportunity to interact with us and for us to interact with you. It's pretty awesome. So with that, we wanted to share with you one of the most recent episodes in audio format. Now, this features Giancarlo Canaparo breaking down the DOJ memo released by Attorney General Merrick Garland. It looks like an effort to use the FBI to threaten and silence parents who are outspoken opponents of critical race theory in schools. It's a big deal, folks. So we break that down into bite-sized pieces and also respond to your questions. So, John Pop, let's roll it. Okay, well, Heritage Explains Live, here we are. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for for joining us today. My name is Tim Desher. Uh, I'm the co-host of the Heritage Explains podcast here at the Heritage Foundation. And we got a big one today. Uh, This thing is happening, it's it's developing, and we wanted to come live again, just like we always do, informal, but to take your questions on the issues. Uh, Feel free, if if you hear something, if you've been wondering something, Drop it in the chat, wherever you're watching, YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff. I just wanted to hit that at the top because I always forget to do that. But just to set the stage here before we introduce our guest, late in the day this past Monday, a memo surfaced from the Department of Justice. The, the heart of it was, was, it was troubling. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, issued this memo, uh, basically directing the Department of Justice and the FBI to launch a series of additional efforts in the coming days to design uh, and address the rise in criminal conduct directed towards school personnel. And we all know what this means. We all know what's going on right now around school boards across the nation. You know, we're seeing headlines about parents and protests being treated like, quote unquote, domestic terrorists by the federal government. So we figured, look, when something like this is going on, we need to get the, the people that know what's going on here. And so that's why John Carlo is here with us today. He's a he's a fellow here at the Heritage Foundation, a legal fellow in the Mies Center. John Carlo is also and this is great. Uh, a part of the SCOTUS 101 podcast. Correct. Your Heritage Foundation podcast. <laughs> I sure am. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, being a part of the uh, podcasting world, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a brave new world. I'm a sort of old-fashioned, so this is a, it's, a, it's a whole new challenge for me, but I'm having fun. No, it's great because the, 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 the SCOTUS 101 podcast, it's called. This thing tracks... It's so, it's so niche. It's so great because if you're interested at all in what's happening with, 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 with the Supreme Court, with what's happening across the bench on the federal, federal courts, this is a really cool way they break it down. They have fun with it. They break it down. You can follow it. I can follow it. And so, yeah, you do a great job. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Okay. So just 
catch us up here. Yeah. We're seeing words like domestic terrorists, all that stuff. I, I just wanted you to set the stage for us. Right. So yeah. we'll start with the memo that uh, the Attorney General Merrick Garland put, put out. And the, Gar and the memo says that the FBI and every division of the Department of Justice is supposed to do a, a number of steps about uh, to combat uh, threats of violence at school boards and directed towards school officials. Now, you won't see any evidence in the memo uh, about what these threats are or whether they exist or what extent they exist to. Uh, but what the memo does is it directs the FBI and lawyers to travel the country, essentially, and hold meetings with school board officials to address how they should respond to these threats. Okay, let me stop you there. Yeah. I, and, and I stay on that train of thought, but I just wanted to define. So... One, there's no evidence of this violence happening. Not in the memo. Not in the memo. Um, and there is no, de is there a definition of what would constitute as violence or speech or what, what, what is this? No, yeah. so, the, so the memo is, is concerned about threats of violence. We're not sure what that means. There have been media reports. Uh, so one of the challenges here is to, to separate the spin from the facts. Yeah. So there was a letter put out by an association that represents uh, school boards, a very left-wing organization that, that sort of facilitates um, messaging between very progressive school boards, the sort that are pu pushing this critical race theory stuff. And they use threats of violence anytime conservative parents get together and get angry at school board meetings, <laughs> which is their First Amendment right when they're being told that their children are, you know, racial pawns in a game and not individuals. Yes. Um, so, but there have been some instances where parents have gotten so angry that they have sent emails that uh, can be read as threatening, or uh, in one instance of which I'm aware, one parent got into a scuffle with a security guard hmm. uh, at one of these meetings. So, but the left has taken those instances and spun them into sort of broad concerns about threats, hmm. uh, which uh, is what this memo, the reason this memo is so vague is yeah. because it's playing off of that same sort of those language games. And what it really is meant to do is to sort of discourage parents uh, from participating in these school board meetings. The fear is that, well, the FBI is looking over my shoulder. What is a threat? I don't know what a threat is. Could I say something that might be a threat? Vague. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what, yeah. Uh, but there's a sort of a key thing to bear in mind when you read this memo. The FBI doesn't, Merrick Garland doesn't tell the FBI to do anything other than hold meetings. He doesn't uh, list any of these um, threats of violence. He doesn't claim that there is a federal law that gives him authority to do anything. If this was really a big deal, if he really thought this was such a big deal, uh, he would have had all of those things in the memo. Does, now, let me ask you this, and, and, and this is just for us. How does it work? Does this, is this something that... Um, you know, Attorney General Merrick Garland would run by the Biden administration before doing this? Or is this just something that is, you know, that he decided to do? So if a Department of Justice is functioning well, it's going to be apolitical. And so this sort of thing would originate in the Department of Justice in response to factual stimuli, a good set of evidence that gives rise to the need here. Okay. But we have the opposite causation. This board of school associations sent this letter to the president five days before the memo. And the letter said, look at these conservative parents. They're dangerous. We should be afraid of them. We need the FBI to get involved. They might be domestic terrorists. You should look at them under the Patriot Act. They sent that letter directly to Biden. Five days later, that letter becomes Department of Justice policy. So you have a clear politicization of the Department of Justice from a liberal advocacy group through the president to the Department of Justice. 
Well, just pivoting here real quick, we've got a lot of people joining us from around the country. Please feel free to drop your name, drop you, drop where you're uh, watching from. We love that. We've got somebody, see, we got some, uh, Susanna here from Pennsylvania, Thomas from, from Illinois, Linda from South Carolina. Man, this is a great, great thing here. A lot of people are interested in this. So please send your questions in. We're ready to take them. Um, and, and one thing that I wanted to know, you mentioned that there's a directive right now to send FBI around the country and DOJ personnel around the country. What, and they're going to be meeting with school boards. They're going to be meeting with people that are being accused of, 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 uh, um, of being out of control at these meetings. Is that what they're doing? What, what does this mean going around the country? What it really means is they're going to be going to school board meetings. Very left-wing school board members are going to say, we're very afraid. Uh, these you know, conservative parents are yelling in our school board meetings. Please help us. And what the FBI is going to do is, going to, is they're going to say, look, if there are threats, here's the number for your local law enforcement. Here's the FBI's tip line on the website. I'm not even kidding you. That's what's in the memo. Wow. Uh, as, if you, as if you couldn't find it. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, if right. you get <laughs> threats, here's how you preserve a document. Uh, here's how you preserve the evidence trail. That's it. That's all that's in the memo. Huh. Uh, which just goes to show that this is just sort of a a bone thrown to this liberal advocacy group. Biden basically got this letter and he said, look, school unions, they're a big, uh, big left-wing donor. Merrick Garland, you know, you're part of this administration, pull your weight. And Merrick Garland didn't have the backbone to say, look, I'm not going to politicize the DOJ like this. Right. He went along with it. Okay. Let's, let's do, I'm curious about this. Um, your, your piece, which, um, Phil, Phil, can we link to that? That'd be great. Um, it's an awesome piece. You wrote it with Mike Howell, who's been on Explains Live before. Um, and, and you say the Att Attorney General Garland abuses power he doesn't have to threaten parents. What is the power he doesn't have here? What are you referring to there? Sure. So the power he doesn't have is the power to actually set sick the FBI on parents. Hmm. So the FBI um, is not a general law enforcement like the local police are. They have very limited power. There must be a federal hook of some kind. So in this case, the only conceivable way really that the FBI is going to get jurisdiction to actually come and interrogate parents or arrest parents is if they start making threats online. And then you've got um, what's called, you know, federal wires are involved. Okay. Uh, but if a parent gets mad at a school board, if a parent starts getting rowdy in a school board meeting, even if a parent gets violent at a school board meeting, that is a local matter for local police. <laughs> uh, so the federal government cannot get involved unless there is some federal hook, which is not going to happen uh, in the majority of school board meetings. So what do local police then do? What is their role in this? I mean, how, how does this happen? And then also, you know, um, uh, our colleague here, Fred, was telling me earlier, he said, well, if, what about what happens if you defund the police? What are they supposed to do? <laughs> well, so right. there's that issue. So, <laughs> right. you know, well, thanks for that, Fred, by the way. <laughs> local police, if parents do get violent or if parents do make threats, uh, that's local police are perfectly happy and perfectly able to handle that. Uh, I guarantee you that at most of these school board meetings, the school board has probably called local police in advance. Sure. And they will stand there and make sure things don't get out of hand. Uh, but what local police can't do any more than Merrick Garland can do is shut parents up. Yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. So um, again, we're taking your questions, folks. We have uh, Charles on Facebook. Charles, how you doing today? Uh, if you want to respond, great. Where are you write, writing from? Would love to hear it. Uh, Charles says, do you see the two-tiered system of justice beginning to bloom in America? 
So, Charles, you're going to have to help me. What, what do you mean by a two-tiered system of justice? Tim, maybe you can help yeah, me understand I, I'm, that. I'm, I'm not exactly sure by that. Um, so um, we're taking it live here, folks. I mean, this is what it is. Charles, if you want a chance to redo the question, go for it. If not, we're going to delete it forever and never <laughs> go back to you ever again. But let me, let me yeah, talk about yeah. something I think that might be getting to your point, Charles, which is the way that uh, law enforcement can be politicized. Mm. So um, you'll, you'll have cases where the government will either choose to prosecute people uh, who did commit a crime, but who are chosen not because of the crime, but because of their politics, or the government will choose not to prosecute certain crimes uh, because of the politics. So I'm thinking of uh, the border is a great example. Uh, the, the immigration law requires Biden to police the border. Yeah. It requires him to do very specific things. It gives him this much discretion not to. Hmm. He has taken an inch and made it an open border. Hmm. Very fascinating. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to keep going with this, P folks. Please continue to give your questions in. We want to keep driving this home because you really do help drive the segment. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering here because we know what this is about. This is about critical race theory being taught in schools. The left is saying it's not happening. It's not happening. This isn't happening. Therefore, they can say that if you say something's happening that isn't happening, you're crazy, you're a maniac. I've seen all these sorts of headlines happening right now. Is this helping make the case for the Department of Justice? Is there anything that this can do to justify this action? Or is this really just um, giving into the posturing of politics? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's what this is, is giving yeah. into the posturing of politics. I mean, there's no there there to the memo except that. As, and as we've seen from a, a lot of parents who are asking questions about this, a lot of headlines, to, to the average person who reads this memo, it looks like Biden is sicking the DOJ on parents and the FBI on okay. parents. You need to understand, you know, government legalese to parse this memo and see what's actually going on here. And that's part of why this memo is so invidious, is that it's designed to not expose the DOJ to, you know, real problems of overstretching its jurisdiction, but to make parents think that that's what it's doing. Mm. And that's where this great problem with, with, with the free speech issue here is that this, this, in, this fear that the, that the FBI is going to breathe down your neck uh, would have a real chilling effect because if you're a parent and you go to one of these uh, board meetings and you find out that your next door neighbor uh, has the FBI asking them questions because they did some of the same things at a meeting that you did. Yeah. I mean, would you want to go back and do it again? I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you're you're right to do so, right? But but that takes a lot of courage to stand up to the federal government like well, that. Well, let's let's ask this. I'm I'm curious. You know what what is a parent's role? And and this is coming in. Um, um, Jordan alluded to this. You know, how is there a way to hold them accountable for this? As as parents, as people who push, is it is it simply just showing up? Continuing to show up, not show fear. What is the what is the right role for accountability here? Right. I mean, that's that's it. You you don't back down in the face of uh, of an empty threat, and that's what this is. And you keep going to wow. your your parent board meetings. You keep speaking your mind. But my 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 one recommendation to you is is. Um, to don't make it about the school board members, right? Make it about the issues. Uh, make it about critical race theory in your classrooms. Make it about the way that your children and your next door's neighbor's children are turned into pawns mm. uh, in this sort of, you know, racial game that doesn't care a lick about them. Yeah. That's, focus on that. But beware that, you know, this memo doesn't do anything, but I do have cause uh, for concern about what the next step is uh, for the DOJ. And I think back to Eric Holder when he was uh, the attorney general under Obama, and he was Obama's enforcer. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, he went after uh, abortion uh, pro-life advocates in a big way. So there was a, a law called the FACE Act. And the FACE Act said you can't obstruct 
or, or make threats of violence outside of abortion clinics. But of course, it had a cutout for the First Amendment. You could stand outside them, you could pray outside of them, you could protest outside of them, you could send letters, fine, First Amendment. Yeah. Uh, but Obama took the face, or sorry, Eric Holder, at probably Obama's uh, command, yeah. took the FACE Act and went after people sending letters to doctors who hadn't even opened an abortion clinic, to a woman who prayed outside of an abortion clinic. And, you know, this memo that Garland issued doesn't take any uh, law enforcement action, but I worry that given the precedent that Holder set, that Garland wouldn't do the same. And, and so that's why I would say to parents, you know, make it about the issues, uh, don't make threats, and, and be careful when you make statements to the people rather than the issues, because the government, the Garland, you know, if he can twist language uh, and, and make a make a non-threat look like a threat, he might. Actually, and, and it's funny you say because Chris on YouTube is tracking with that exact thought right there. You know, are they sticking? Are they sticking the FBI on parents to get dirt so they can use it against them potentially? You know, if they're out there seeing it, is this something that they're going to be able to say, "Yes, we're witnessing it. We need further action," or is that, is that another? I mean, that could be that could be part of the step because as they meet with um, local school boards and local officials, you can be sure. That that they are going to be feeding any sort of shred that they can to the FBI to try to gin up a case yeah. uh, for the FBI to actually get involved. And if Garland is as partisan, as political as he seems to be, yeah. um, that is sort of the next logical step. Look, if I was an AG with no scruples yeah. uh, and who really wanted to use my position to advance my president's political agenda, that's what I would do. Sure, yeah. And, and again, I think it's important to keep in mind here that these school boards are not without protection. They're not without, um, you know, law and order. Right. Uh, this is the federal government coming to your locality now, saying we're coming here at the order of the attorney general. Now, this is it's it's um to me it's kind of scary. Right, uh, right. But the thing for parents to remember is you the First Amendment protects lawful speech. Right. Uh, so. Go for it. Go back to your school boards. Don't don't be afraid to go back to the school boards and yeah. talk about critical race theory in the schools and try to get get that out. Yeah, uh, I, that I'm, I, I should have emphasized my point with that. You are absolutely right. And it was funny because when we were tracking this whole thing on Twitter, um, we saw so many people seeing right through it and not taking the bait on it. And that's and, great. And so there are a lot of people out there who are doing this. Um, uh, Sam is watching from Petersburg, Alaska. I don't even... Where is that? I have no I idea. Is it cold up there right now? Jeez, that's great. Sam, thanks so much for watching. She says, she says you guys are great. Wow. <laughs> thanks, Sam. That's great. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate it. Keep, keep uh, dropping your questions in. We're going to keep going with it. I wanted, I wanted to just ask you, though, um, what is, because I think it's important to note proper roles of government yeah. before we get into this, be, so we can contrast here. What would be? A, an appropriate circumstance for the Department of Justice to step in and the FBI to investigate? Sure. So I talked a little earlier about the FBI's jurisdiction, which answers the question, when can the FBI involve, get involved? Okay. Uh, when should the FBI, just because it can, doesn't mean it should. Uh, so when the FBI can or should get involved, uh, okay. first of all, when it has jurisdiction to do so, and only when uh, local law enforcement proves incapable of... Uh, dealing with the issues, right? So if local law enforcement said, look, we have this string of online threats to the board and we just can't handle it, uh, then, and, you know, and, and these are legitimate threats and the, the local law enforcement goes to the FBI and says, look, these are real, we're at least worried about them, we need some help, appropriate. Um, but parents, um, you know, 
being righteously rowdy in a school board meeting? Uh-uh. Yeah. No. Even if there was a jurisdictional hook, not appropriate. Yeah, right? law, law, local law enforcement is the first step. Uh, if they can't meet the challenge, if there is a challenge and local law enforcement can't meet it, then the FBI can come involved, can get involved. But otherwise, no. I think that the righteously rowdy, uh, that, that's, that's exactly what we have been seeing. It has been um, inspiring to see some of the parents in the face of microphones being turned off, in the face of um, memos by the Department of Justice coming toward you to be there. It is, it is extremely inspiring to see that happen. And you know what, folks, um, I want to have Phil link to some of the stuff. We have some great resources here at Heritage. Um, for people who may not be able to identify critical race theory happening in your locality, um, we've got a list here. here. Here's what to look for. Here's how to get that information. And then if you're going to push back, here's how to push back mm -hmm. um, at those things. So, uh, Phil, if you could drop that in the uh, in the chat there, that would be awesome. Um, let's see here. Lanny on Facebook. Is this a bold effort to nationalize the teachers? Uh, am I incorrect in assuming that the federal government is overstepping the authority of state and local government? Uh, the states should be alarmed in the overreaching of these folks. L Lanny is on with us, man. I think he is yeah, tracking. Right. I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing. That w with whether it's been election integrity, whether it has been uh, sexual orientation law, whether it has been uh, the border. Biden has done everything he can to stop local governments, local and state governments from doing anything uh, because it gets in the way of his agenda. And if he can mm. sort of consolidate all of these issues into the federal government, that gives him and his uh, lawyers and agents and everything the control over these issues that uh, properly belong to local governments. Uh, and which, unfortunately for Biden, often fall into the purview of local governments who don't go along with his plan. So that, you're right, that is what this is part of, uh, this is one of those examples in that broader theme. Okay, so let's, and again, this is pure speculation. You don't have to answer this question as, as, as a lawyer. I know that you do not want to answer things that, that are uh, speculation, but I want to just ask this. Do you see this tracking somewhere else or somewhere worse after now that the memo has been released, the directive has been given? What would be the next move, the next step by, an, uh, by a rogue DOJ that's happening right now? Right. Like I said before, if I was in that position, if I was A.G. Garland uh, and um, I really wanted to use my position to advance my political agenda and to silence my political opponents, what I would do is go to these school board meetings that I've set up with my lawyers and the FBI, okay. gather as much sort of evidence as I can of, of, of threats or things which the school board wants to pretend are threats to try to gin up a problem. Uh, whether one really exists. And then I would try to find some sort of way of getting federal jurisdiction so that I could really actually deploy the FBI. Wow. Okay. So that, that's what worries me about where this could go. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So leave us, and as we wrap up here, folks, um, again, these things can go uh, as long as the audience has questions or as long as, as, as I feel like we have really covered this. And you have done such a good job responding quickly to this issue. Um, you were Johnny on the spot when this <laughs> thing came out on Monday, you, you and Mike Howell both. And so, I, one, I just wanted to thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and two, I wanted to give another plug for SCOTUS 101 podcast. Sure. It is, um, it, it really is special. I mean, right. there, there aren't many any like that. Right. The goal is, you know, to help, you know, the people who are not lawyers understand what the Supreme Court does and what judges do 
uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So almost every week that, that the Supreme Court is in session, we, we explain what the Supreme Court did. And uh, every week we also have an interview with uh, a federal judge or a Supreme Court lawyer or a, Supreme, or a, a law professor and just try to get into these issues that sort of consume, you know, lawyers, but in a way that, you know, other non-lawyers can understand and really appreciate why it's so important. Were you podcasting before this? No, never. Oh, you just came in and started doing it, huh? <laughs> All right. That's good. Very, very good, man. That's great. Well, hey, man, again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, folks, thanks so much. We'll be back soon. Always love tuning in, and uh, we will see you the next time. Well, how about that? Heritage Explains Live is in the can for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Now, I want to know what you think of this format. It'd be interesting. Leave us a comment or send us an email at managingeditor at heritage.org. We'd love to hear what you think. Now, if you want to catch these live stream videos as they happen, we're going to go ahead and link to the Heritage Explains Facebook page as well as the YouTube page. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Heritage Explains podcast. And then we'll see you live on the next Heritage Explains Live. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Descher, with editing by John Pop.